Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to the family with Doug Sprinthal. <laughs> That's why I didn't have a brownie. That's why I didn't have a brownie. I know better. Water. And I didn't have two brownies like Doug. <laughs> and he's eyeing a third. Ooh, they are good. Okay. Alex Brandbernard <laughs> co-host Catherine Brand. The legendary Ribmeister from the New Hope Cinema Grill. I like it. Legendary. A.K.A. Jerry from Walzer Toyota. Andy Brant Bernard. And Cassie Schrader. And we will be right back. We'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> Under the water. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Walzer Automotive presents Car Selling Secrets. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Car Selling Secrets with Doug Sprinthal, Alex Brandt, Bernard Rasmussen, co-host Catherine Brandt, Jerry from Walzer Toyota, Andy Brandt, Bernard, Cassie Schrader. I was doing my Doug and Yeah, okay. Very <laughs> funny, funny man. Funny man. My voice is perfect now. I'm ready to go. It's true. Jerry has joined us in studio. He works for Walzer Toyota, and we're going to talk about your career a little bit and answer some questions. We've got a lot of stuff to cover. I've got a lot of emails from customers, or customers, listeners, I call them no, customers. They're customers, too. Well, hopefully, eventually, they will be. If you want to call in uh, during the show, you can call 612 295 1526. Jerry, we started this probably three months ago when we have guests in. You get to start out and tell us about your very first car. Hopefully, it's a good story. You know, it actually is a pretty cool story. It was a 1972. Well, well that's true. <laughs> that's very uh, nice. It's a 1972 Dodge Dart Swinger. Ooh. Oh, yeah, baby. The the but it had the 318 V8. Ooh. So it moved along a little bit. It's uh, It was cool because it was my grandpa's last car. Bought in Jamestown, oh. right? There you go. And he died when I was a little kid, maybe like six years old. So my aunt took it when he passed away because she had never moved out of the house, lived in the same house her whole life. And when we moved to Fargo in about 1984, that's when she gave it to me. So your aunt was driving around in a swinger. So I learned to drive in a rear-wheel drive small car in North, North Dakota. Dakota. God, oh, you can't God. call a car that anymore. <clears throat> 
What? Yeah, no. Swinger. No, right? No. Yeah, the it's Dodge a different swinger. world. Yeah, please don't. Please Ford don't do that. Probe. Okay. Oh, there did you it, go. Did it have the buttons that... The probe? Um, were the, like, the transmission... The transmission, no. no. Or was that, that a was Dodge probably, start? Yeah, no, that was probably early to mid-60s. Because yep. I think, that I think my, my neighbor had one of those, yeah. The yeah. Valiant. God, I haven't mm-hmm. heard that in a while. It's supposed to be super modern. Oh, yeah. Hip. This is too hard to do. You can just do that. That's right. Silly, silly cars. So what happened to the Swinger? Uh, I sold it when I was in college. I upgraded to an 81 Honda Civic. Oh, wow. That's exciting. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Thrilling car. (laughs) That's really nice, Doug. Jerry, tell us how I I know the story of how you came to work for Walzer, but why don't you share what your experience has been like, what the path's like. It's it's kind of a cool story, I think, actually. Yeah, so... Uh, I met Doug, uh, I don't know, four years ago, maybe something like that. And I've been in the restaurant business for 20 plus years, uh, anywhere from managing, mostly management. I just am serving and bartending as well. Uh, and if you know the restaurant world today, it's, that's a product of the economy being so good, but you can't hire anybody. It's just physically impossible to hire cooks and servers and bartenders. So you spend so much of your time trying to do that. And restaurant hours are, shall we say, a little long. I mean, you're doing 60, 70-hour weeks. is just kind of a standard yeah. thing. But the, there's no money in it, though, fortunately, right? Exactly. So you work a lot and get paid little. So those are the benefits. Uh, but anyway, as you get a little longer in the tooth like I was, uh, I, just, I was kind of looking for a change. And I had no car business experience myself. My brother had been in the car industry for like 20 years. He started up at Wallwork Ford, if you remember that, up, up in Fargo. Uh but I didn't have any personally. But my nephew, uh, Thomas, works at our Chrysler dealership in Hopkins. Uh, and he had been there for a couple of years and doing extremely well. So I talked to him a couple times, and I'm like, you know, Thomas, how does this work? Because I don't want to be the quintessential sleazy car salesman. That's kind of how my perception of it was. It really was. So he, imagine that. I know, right? It's really rare. So we write somewhere below politicians on the trust factor, yeah. I think. But So I talked to him, and I said, hey, how does this Walzer thing work? Because I've heard about it. And he explained the Walzer way. And I went, well, I can do that. That would be pretty cool. So I, I ran into Doug at one of these podcasts about, I don't know, three years ago maybe. And I said, hey, man, I need something new. Do you think I'd be good at selling cars? And I gave him my resume, and I think I was started in about a week later. <laughs> well, and I'll tell you why. And a lot of people don't get into the car business in sales because they don't know much about cars. That, that intimidates a lot of people. They think that you're going to have to you know, know how to build an automobile, and that really isn't the case at all. What we look for are people with good interpersonal skills. Servers make excellent salespeople. Mm-hmm. because they smell good, too. I'm sorry? And you should smell good, too. Yeah, smell good. <laughs> yep, talk good, smell good. Uh, you do have to learn how to handle rejection. That's something that, that mm. you do learn selling cars, although... What did you look at me for? She said you have to learn how to handle rejection. <laughs> she looks at me. You reject. Don't <laughs> my feelings. Because it, it is a li- it, it, you have to learn how to protect your soul, right? You, you, know, you got to have a Because you go through streets rhinoceros you skin on you. For four yeah. or five days, and you oh. go, God, let me... No, brush my teeth. <laughs> oh. What on earth am I doing? But yeah, it's the, it, you have to realize there, there's there's high highs and low lows, and you just got to kind of stay in the middle. You're yep. never as good as your best day, and you're never as bad as your worst. So you moved up to team lead, which mm-hmm. is our uh, management position in the stores right under new and used car manager pretty quickly, didn't you? Uh, yes, seven months. I was only in sales for seven months, and at that time, training was four. So oh, it's technically right. only in sales for three months, if you want to look at it that way. But they were so bad at it, they promoted Yeah, him there's, we got to get him out of here. That's how the government works, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> now, that's kind of a critical position in our system because we have so many inexperienced uh, salespeople that they really rely on. The, how many people on your team now? Uh, five. Okay. So basically, well, tell, tell people, I, I know what you do, but not everybody does. You know, it's a variety of tasks, really. The, the team leads are the, the main job of a team lead is to train, coach, and develop your team and to assist them with, with car sales. And your team can be some very experienced salespeople, can be some brand new people. So obviously the new people are going to need more help. I think so, that the, the old pros are the harder ones to manage, though. Uh, yes, 100%. Because the, the yeah. new guy, you just tell them yeah, what to do yeah, and they do it because right. they know that that's, oh, okay, that's what you do. Whereas the old guy's like, I don't have to do that. Yeah. But, uh, no, it's, it's it's great because uh, my favorite thing to do is teach. I, I absolutely love it. Um, you know, you get the new guy out there, and, and whether it be product knowledge or or just learning the walls or way and how the, the whole sales system works, 
I enjoy doing that. And I love product. I'm kind of a product geek, so. Well, you're in a good store for that with Toyota. It's oh, yes. Huge product. Very right? much so. Um, That's about all I've got for you. Okay. Oh, that's <laughs> Great talk to you, Jerry. Just leave the, leave the brownies. I bring brownies and I get kicked out. No, I got a... Uh, <laughs> I got an uh, email from a, a listener last night, and I'll read it. Real, it's pretty short. Hi, Doug. Love the podcast. I have a question. Why does Jeep have 42-month leases? What are the positive negatives between a 36-month and a 42-month lease? Thanks. Dan. Well, it's a, it's a complicated answer. Um, here's the way leasing works, and it's a little bit counterintuitive because low lease payments aren't always determined by the selling price of the car. Uh, another, a lot of times, more expensive cars will lease cheaper than less expensive cars. In v- fact, you can probably lease a forty-some-thousand-dollar Tacoma mm-hmm. for the same or less than a twenty-thousand-dollar Corolla. Correct. And here's the reason for that: uh, it all has to do with the residual value that the manufacturers set on the cars. There is a automotive residual bible called the ALG that all the manufacturers use, and it's on every car. They kind of, they're really dialed into what a car is going to be worth at the end of a lease term. Now, the manufacturers can at times decide to, let's say it's a $20,000 car and it has a 50% residual. In in other words, at the end of three years, it'll be worth $10,000. But the sales department, and when I sold Lincoln Mercury's and Ford's, Ford did this in the 90s, they really wanted to sell Tauruses and Sables. So even though uh, ALG said this car is going to be worth 50%, uh, the sales division said in order to get our payments low, we wanted to have a 60% residual. And so Ford Financial says to Ford Sales, okay, but your guys are going to be on the hook for the remaining 10%. Worked really well. I remember leasing brand-new Mercury Sables for $199 a month. The problem was when they came back, they weren't worth Mm -hmm. even 50%. Mm -hmm. Ford took it in the shorts, and and the people that – Took um, it in the shorts. It's, it's and that's an advantage of leasing when the manufacturers mm-hmm. guess wrong. We'll talk about Take that it in a the shorts. Bit. It's an advantage. Well, it is if you're the customer for the customer. You, oh, yeah, oh, absolutely. Is. You're, you're really in a way you're protected <laughs> against the market. So what happened to those? Unfortunately, those people came back and said, "I really love the sable. Uh, I want to lease another one." And you had to look at them and go, "Okay, they're a little more than one ninety nine a month now. They're like four and a quarter." Right. Yep. <laughs> they were gone. So. Um, the reason that that Chrysler has longer lease terms is their cars, and this is going to sound bad, but they do tend to depreciate a little bit faster uh, than a lot of the import uh, competition, notably Toyota and Honda. So depreciation is not a linear thing. It, 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 it's quicker in the first year, and then the older a car gets, the more the depreciation slows down. So Chrysler, in order to not take it in the shorts on residual values, tends to have longer. General Motors is the same way. They do 39 and 42-month leases. They used to do 48 and even 60, which was, that was really not doing the customers any uh, favors. Uh, I said, I I think the only negative about that is on a 36-month lease with a Toyota or a Honda, or if you did one with a Chrysler, you'd have full factory warranty throughout the course of the lease. Correct. Whereas if you get a little bit longer than that, you start to get outside of the, mm-hmm. the warranty deals. And we'll talk about extended warranties later, but there, there's a way to protect yourself. So I know that's a long answer, but but basically, uh, if you see manufacturers offering longer-term leases, it's they're trying to uh, fight the residual deal. Now, here's an example, uh, and you'll remember this. I think we talked this before. I've sold Tom, I think, three cars on the radio. Uh, yes. We're waiting for the last one to get shipped up here from Wichita. Um, but the first Catherine, one was... Give a, me a dirty look. Way to go. Thanks, Doug. Yeah. What's what? an all-wheel drive car so he doesn't have to borrow yours in the winter? Just, I'm never, just doing favors. You would never drive Thank my you. car anyway. I'm talking to Mom, not you. Oh, well... <laughs> He wouldn't drive my car. Yeah, well, let me just tell you, when I get the car and you see it, everybody's going to want to borrow it from me all the time. Yeah. Will I? It has stone massage seat settings. Mm, well, Ooh. maybe then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. just, can I just sit in it in your garage while yeah. it rubs my back? Yeah. I don't need to drive it anywhere. It's got a huge back seat, which I'm really looking forward to because most back seats now are not very big. you to put back there? You good people. He's going to have boxes you drive around with a little hat Yeah, on. boxes of papers everywhere. Where to, Miss Daisy? I'm going to put a Fender amp in there. To and there's some mountains of papers. Yeah. 
So let's talk about how, because uh, I, I get this question all the time. You know, I, I don't I really feel all that comfortable about leasing. I've always owned stuff. And I get that because I've, I've bought and leased. And I ask people a couple of questions. They say, well, how often do you buy new cars? Well, you know, every three, four years or so, it seems. It says, do you finance them? Yep. Do you know why when you go to the drive through at the bank, they have a big window there? It's so they can see their car. It's the bank's car. Yeah. You yeah, don't really you. own it. So uh, leasing is a great option for people that like to drive new stuff every two, three, four years. It is If you're a person that likes to hang on to stuff forever, like you for the most part, yeah. um, it's really yep. not a great option. Sometimes people will say, you know, I think I'll lease it and then buy the lease out. That's not, terrible it's idea. a terrible idea. It's, you know... If you're going to do that, just buy it from the get-go. You'll actually pay less in interest mm-hmm. fees. Um, but here's a story about how the companies, um, you're really gambling. They're gambling against the market. So the first car I sold Tom was a Cadillac ELR, uh, which was the world's nicest Chevy Volt, basically. Mm-hmm. Cadillac's really nice. high-end. I love that car. Hybrid. They, it was a good-looking good automobile. Yep. Um, General Motors did a terrible job marketing that as they did the Volt, and I think that car was like ninety grand a window was, yeah. sticker. I mean, Holy it was really God. expensive. Yep. And Tom's like, "Should I buy it?" I'm like, "You know, I, I'd really, even though the lease is, you know, it, it's it's healthy payments. It's yep. a ninety thousand dollar car." I says, "I don't know what the future of this is going to be." I would, and, and so what happened was, the lease was up, and I think the. Uh, buyout was like forty-five grand, so it had somewhere around a fifty percent residual after three years, give or mm-hmm. take. Yep. Yeah, the market on them was twenty-two. Right. So really, in that case, you just say, "Okay, I'm done with my Cadillac days. I'm going to try something else." And what happens is, uh, if the dealers don't buy the cars when they come off lease, they wind up going to an auto auction, which is for only for dealers, uh, and that's really where the prices get set. And so when they set a $45,000 residual on a car like that, and it's only worth twenty two, General Motors gets to pay the twenty. Yikes. They take it in the shorts. Difference. Yep. No, That's do. where you – I always look – I think the easiest way I've described leasing to people is if you're a, a, a gambler and you play blackjack. Yeah. And if you're playing a hand of blackjack, with leasing you can either win or push, but you can't lose. You know, and we're going to take same a break of, in just a little it. bit, but let's talk about what can, how it can work to your advantage the other mm-hmm. way. Um, like a Prius lease being up when gas hits four or five bucks a gallon. Exactly. So, When's that going to happen? Well, it does happen. From, and Jerry will tell the stories here when we're going to take a little short break. We're a little bit early, but this will be a longer answer. We can't jam it in in 15 seconds. I like it. We'll Perfect. be back. I'm supposed to say that. We'll be back. <laughs> well, then get it done. Well, you're always interrupting me. It's Tom Bernard with North American Banking Company CEO and my buddy, Michael Bilski. Michael, let's say somebody has a plan to expand their business this year. How can North American Banking Company get that job done? At North American Banking Company, we'll take time to understand the customer's needs and wants and their plans for the future. Once we have a good understanding of that, we'll try to solve their financing dilemma. We won't take a cookie-cutter approach to any financing situation. Wonderful. So if I need cash to expand my podcast, you got a plan for me too? No. (laughs) (laughs) God, thank you. I see where this is going. Well, we love working with you. We can help any business, including a podcast that's already very successful. Who's better than you? That's what I want to know. I still never liked you, though. You are. No, I never. Don't try to make up. I don't like (laughs) you. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and an equal housing lender. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. There's no better time than now to ditch your contacts and pitch your glasses. Whiting Clinic is the place I trusted to do this for me, and it's not just me. There's a reason Whiting Clinic is the number one LASIK practice in the United States. Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, the most advanced Contura laser technology, and lifetime coverage are all backed by Whiting Clinic's best price guarantee. Being the experts they are, they wanted to make sure you have the very best for your eyes, just like I did. Call now for Whiting Clinic's $500 off LASIK savings. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contact lenses, then it's time you found out if you're a candidate for LASIK. And Whiting Clinic is definitely the place to go. Call 855-554-2020 today. 
or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them that I sent you and save $500 on your LASIK. Offer good for a limited time. Call Whiting Clinic for details. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offer. We're rocking out with Doug Sprintall. We are back. We're talking about ins and outs of leasing a little bit, and we talked about how you can bet against the market, and if the market crashes, how you're not responsible. But how can Jerry explain how it can work the other way? Well, the other way is great. You gave a perfect example. Say gas rockets up to five, six bucks a gallon, and the Prius which has a residual value probably about 50% right now, and that jumps up to 65 So you're done with your three-year lease. You come to turn it in, and your payout is, say, $12,000 on it. That's what you could buy it for. But because the market's gone up, now that car is worth fifteen. So you're paying $12,000 for a car that you're locked in on. That price, unlike the past where that price was variable, and that price is absolutely locked in when you sign it. So you know what your buyout is at the time you sign it. So if that buyout is 12 and the market value says it's worth 15, why wouldn't you buy it? You now have equity, or you can trade it in, and you know we'll buy it from you and give you that credit on a, on a new car. So that's why I say it's it's a win or push proposition. You cannot lose because if that value drops below your purchase price, you just throw the keys on the desk and say, "See you later." So if you've got a, a lease that's coming due within the next couple of months, it, it wouldn't be a bad move to get a hold of me or Jerry yep. or anybody to see if you have. I, and it's it's. Right now, the used market is pretty stable, so it's unlikely you have much equity. Uh, but it's you know, it's worth a phone call. And it, it kind of depends on the car, too. That's the right. sedan market has gone down a little bit. So if you have a, a three-year-old Camry or a Honda Accord or something, there's probably not going to be equity in it. Then, if you have you know, a Toyota be rare Tacoma, you almost always have if equity. If you have a Tacoma or a Tundra, a Forerunner, you're yep. dealing with any Toyota truck just is ridiculous. And if you don't want to buy the car out, we'll actually give you market value for correct it. so yep. if it's worth 18 and you and your buyout is you know 14 you can walk out with a check for four thousand correct we'll, we'll pay what the market value is on mm-hmm. the car so absolutely a lot of people don't understand that it's they they do a pretty good job in most makes and getting the residuals set pretty accurately but sometimes it does swing and and those particular toyota products are it's it's amazing how well they hold their value i you know they're great trucks, but I still don't it's, get it. I it's think it's mind-boggling to some extent. The Tacoma, I did a little looking this up, and the the Tacoma has a higher percentage of resale after five years than its competition does after three years. Yeah. So it's crazy. So you should lease a Tacoma. I should have leased a Tacoma. I had a truck once that didn't go well. Oh really? <laughs> what happened? Andy put her in neutral and luckily hit a tree instead of going over a cliff. Or yep. going Anton Yelchin on the bit and having it back into him. Yeah, remember when yeah, he died from that? Yeah, His Jeep yeah. ran into him? Yeah, I do yep. remember that. I have that same transmission in my wife's <laughs> 100. Yeah. It's really easy not to have really? it in the park when you think it is. Yeah, they oh. yikes. It seems like I, a these, pretty they, uh, serious design flaw. They keep goofing around with these transmission selectors. It's yeah, just, just like the, this, use it, the old way was fine. We there's nothing wrong with shifting. This it's fine. Shift paddles and all this kind of. It's not a Formula One car. Exactly. It's a Tacoma. I, I had uh, paddle shifters. It. I had a Chrysler 200. Uh, with the the 3.6 Pentastar engine, so it was actually a pretty quick car, and it had paddle shifters. I think I used them the day I took the car home and never touched them again. <laughs> that's uh, actually that's one of my favorite cars. Nobody knows about, and they don't make them anymore. Nope. But if you uh, if you want a really great ride for not a ton of money, look for a V6 powered. Uh, Chrysler 200 in all-wheel drive. In all-wheel drive, absolutely. Yep. They're, I had one, and my brother-in-law had one, and they're, they're really fast. You know the 0 to 60 in those is six flat? Yeah. That's a fast, standard sedan. That's a great motor, because that motor is it's actually an Italian design. It powers the Durango, the Grand Cherokee, uh, a lot of the Chrysler mm-hmm. products, and they, they really did a nice job with it. About either side of 300 horsepower, depending on what yep. the car is. But yep, yep. So if you're looking for a great value in the used car market, that's it, it's an interesting thing that um, cars that were not great new car sellers sometimes make phenomenal used cars because the, they're inexpensive mm-hmm. uh, and, and they're and they're really good. So yeah, well that particular car got panned a little bit, but you're correct. If I would be maybe a little wary of the four cylinder, but if you get one with the three point six, four cylinders are rental rocket. Yeah, that's, yeah, but if you can find one with, with the V six, it's all wheel drive. You're yep. right. You're getting dollar for dollar. You're getting a lot of car for the used car purchase. Got a little automotive news to talk about. I was uh, at the 
uh, invitation of our favorite mayor, Jimmy Francis. I went over to see uh, the governor and a whole, they had a whole gaggle of people standing in a parking lot over at Kaposia Park in St. Paul, uh, South St. Paul yesterday to talk about Minnesota is working on joining, I think, 14 other states and basically adapting the California uh, emission standard. So this, this is, again, is a little bit complicated, but I think it's, it bears watching. So when they passed the Clean Air Act back in 1970 or 71, in the act itself, it gave California the right to set their own standards, which they've done forever. Uh, and for years, there were two different sets of standards in the U.S. You had California and then all the other 49 states. It was kind of a pain in the ass for manufacturers because they really had to build cars for two different markets. Uh, I don't know how long ago it was that pretty much everybody started following the California standards. Uh, the current administration wants to roll back the EPA requirements, and they're trying to take away California's waivers, even though it's in it was written into the, the, the legislation back 50 years ago. So basically, uh, you know, it's mostly... Democrats blue or red? I never remember. Uh, Democrats are blue. It's blue, mostly yeah. blue states. So it's Colorado, Minnesota, uh, Maine, Connecticut, uh, maybe. Yeah, New York. There's, there's. I think there's a 15 or 16 of them now that are, are, are going to follow um, California's lead. But what's going to happen is, and I think the lawsuits have already been filed. It, this is going to wind up in the Supreme Court at some point. So it, it's hard to say. I don't think it'll have a short-term effect. But I was really. I was really kind of surprised at the lack of understanding of the electric car system by the governor and a lot of the legislatures that were speaking at this thing. They think that the reason Minnesotans don't drive electric cars is because the dealers don't have any and the manufacturers won't build them uh, for this market because of the requirements. Really? And that, it's not the case at all. The, re think so. the reason is, um, for one, people... I think one of the big hurdles to owning an all-electric car, and you had one, is range anxiety. Absolutely, you know, uh, Where am I going to charge it? What happens if the thing dies and I can't get it? You know, it's. I never had any problem with my Tesla. It was yeah. one of the. It was the first Tesla in the state of Minnesota. It was one of the first in the United States, actually. And I never had any problem charging that. Well, car. I think yeah, where where there's some anxiety, and I, I've suggested this to people: if you have an electric car, it might be a, an excellent second car in your family. And I'll give you the example: if right. you're going to be driving out to Colorado for a family vacation, and your electric car is limited to 300 miles before you have to recharge it, might not be the best option for that. Right, but then right. you take your second car because yeah. your first car is never probably going to leave the Twin Cities. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so that makes sense. It just—I think it just depends on the individual person. Yeah, I think I got 225 at the time. Yeah, that sounds right. I think 225 was about right. So I could go up to Duluth. Yep. And yeah. even way back then, there were charging stations. Yeah. Not a ton, but you could find mm -hmm. them. No, there are more and more now. But, I mean, that's one of the reasons that people don't adopt them. And the other thing is the price. Uh, the big, on, on new ones, that big rebate is sunsetting. Right. Uh, it's getting cut in half uh, next month in October. Oh, that's right. And then it's going to yeah. disappear by the end of the year. So that's a... You know, depending on the car, that's a $7,500 price mm -hmm. swing. Um, and quite honestly, the other thing is that gas is cheap. It's been, Correct. you know, two and a quarter to two seventy. It pretty much, God, for the last seven or eight years. Yep. There's been a couple of spikes, and every once in a while it'll drop down to a buck ninety nine. Yep. Everybody thinks they're millionaires, but I think that they really misjudged the amount of demand for electric and alternative fuel vehicles. We, as a dealer. We try to control our inventories because it costs us money. We don't we don't own the inventory we sell. We take loans out on it and pay interest. And you know the game is to have in new car inventory. You want a sixty to ninety day supply of cars. In other words, um, if you sold ten Corollas last month, you'd want to have thirty to forty of them on hand. Um, and with electric cars, you know we sell a fair number of Nissan Leafs, but it's Probably three or four months. This legislation is not going to um, uh, jack up electric sales. They'll be, they're, they're talking about spending some more money on infrastructure for charging stations and some and stuff like that. Uh, but I, I really think that's just they're, they're jumping on the the California bandwagon to get in a fight with the Trump administration. We'll see how it plays. Yeah, out. probably because we have something called a Prius Prime, which is 
a, a plug-in hybrid. So it operates just like a hybrid. You just put gas just in. Just like your ELR. Right, exactly like your ELR. ELR. But you can plug it in and go up to, I believe it's 26 miles just on an electrical charge. It's a great car. It's a phenomenal option for some people, but it's a very, very low-volume seller for us. Yeah. Well, they're really? expensive. I mean, how much more are they than a regular? Oh, Prius? I can't remember off the top of my head, but uh, it's it's not a huge oh, jump. You just got to tell us you were Mister Product Knowledge. Well, oh, I, did, I well, didn't say God. price knowledge. I said product God. knowledge. <laughs> so, on a related note, here's an interesting story. Got for, for oh, Tom I'm to read. Oh, yeah, I put it well, in. Well, I big should mention, print. by the way, before we move on, that there I was sent a picture. Greg Lundeen is an old friend. Went to school with him. Known him since I was 11. Terry Burnham and Tommy O'Brien and I. Were, I had seen these guys. I've known Burnham since I was five, Tommy O'Brien, 11, Lundeen, 11. There's a picture of me standing in front of Lundeen's house. So, like, I'd take a picture of Jerry where he is now. Mm -hmm. And across the street, there's a gas station. Gas was 29.9. Wow. 29.9. Wow. Woo. Well, and cigarettes were probably 35 cents. Right? They were 31 cents. Yeah, they were, absolutely. The versatile Jeep Wrangler, known for tackling off-road terrain, is about to add another talent to its skill set, plug-in hybrid advocate. A plug-in version of the rugged SUV is expected to arrive in 2020 alongside a good old-fashioned diesel model, the antithesis of an electrified Wrangler. He tried to get me because I'm a disc jockey, but I put an antithesis in there. You know <laughs> I know you know how to read and stuff. <laughs> well, the diesel iteration, well, he goes with iteration, wow. too has been demanded by Jeep loyalists. The hybrid could be uh, could broaden the Wrangler's consumer base and build greater acceptance of electrified powertrains, said Jeremy Acevedo, senior manager of Insights for Edmonds. Acevedo believes the essence of the brand will remain intact with a plug-in Wrangler. I think it takes something like a Wrangler to take down some of these boundaries. I think this is going to be the most sail-proof vehicle Chrysler's ever made. <laughs> I mean, Wrangler is sail-proof. Really, yeah, that's, that's not good. Negative. Wrangler that's is not a good. Yeah, iconic brand. I mean, yes. it's it's, oh, a, yeah. it's you can tell Wrangler people they're different than everybody else, and they love their vehicles and they love to take them off-road and then climb stuff. This is not the no. uh, alternate fuel generation. No. It's, it's, I mean, give Chrysler credit for trying. I mean, this is the same company that took a basically a Chrysler 200, put a different body on it, and then jammed in a 700-horsepower V8 and said, right. here you go. Right. Now they're going to build electric Jeeps. It's, yep. uh, I don't know. I, I, I think that market's interesting, yeah, but that's the wrong vehicle to put it in. Yeah. Well, they, you know, they do have a hybrid uh, uh, Pacifica, which is yep. the old town and country. Yep. But those aren't, that's, again, it's pretty expensive and yep. not selling terribly well. Yep. Uh, but I thought that was interesting that Chrysler would at least attempt to do that and it fit in with this whole discussion of alter. It's weird to me because electric vehicles seem to be a political issue. You'll, you'll read no. social... A political issue? Comments about people that are like, ah, oh, they're just terrible, and only left-wing people drive them. I'm like, you know, I don't get it. If the technology is superior, and I think eventually it will be, you know, the, the range keeps getting better and better and better, right. and right. the cost keeps coming down and down and down. Uh, you know, why wouldn't you want a car that was just, like, rocket-fast and really, really cheap to maintain? I, I, it's, I, I think once the cost comes out, those are the two things. It's cost and in, in, uh, uh, fuel cell range, yeah. Because there's some cool companies, like Rivion is one of them that's out there. I've done some looking into those. They make making, they're now, but they'll be making some really cool products. So Rivi, Rivion makes like an, a big full-size SUV, right? Yes, and it's a pickup. It's supposed to have 700 horsepower and 450 miles worth of range. Mm -hmm. um, with with off-road capabilities. It's, and, it's the company's called Rivion. Right? Yeah, Ford and Amazon have both invested in it. In oh, fact, I think okay. Amazon just ordered a bunch of trucks from them. Pre-order. Oh, yeah, yeah. If anybody could afford it, it would be Jeff. That's a good point. That's Jeff. a very good point. That's your buddy Jeff Bezos. Yeah, though? my my close <laughs> personal friend. I just call him Popeye. So here's how stupid I am, and I'll tell this quick story. I I was, don't think if you're talking about stupid yard, it's going to take just a short. Well, time. this is just one story. So it was back in the late '90s, and I, you know, back. Before the dot-com deal burst, everybody was playing the stock market. Remember, it was like national pastime. Oh, yeah. Oh, and I yeah. looked at Amazon because they were just selling books, in, and I thought, you know, it's, I think they've got a future, but you know, the stock's awfully expensive. And I think it was like 25 or 30 bucks a share back then. Ouch. <laughs> but, so I'm like, hey, how about Barnes & Noble? They sell books online, too, and their stock is less. 
And boy, is it less now. Yeah. Yeah. They went <laughs> really less now. Barnesandnoble.com went under about probably 18 months yeah. after I yeah. spent $15,000 ensuring I would be a millionaire. Good later. move. If I had taken that fifteen grand and $97 oh. and dumped it in Amazon, oh. we'd be doing the podcast from the super yacht. <laughs> <laughs> the super yacht. We'll be right back after a quick break. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. It's Tom telling you that you can lose an average of 26.2 pounds on the 40-day weight loss program powered by Nutramost. I lost 92.5 pounds in less than five months, thanks to the Sheehy Brothers and the Ultimate Wellness and Weight Loss Program powered by Nutramost. And I encourage you to let them help you lose weight as they teach you how to stay healthy and keep that weight off. Take it from me. Having a coach keeps you accountable, and it makes achieving your goals so much easier. Let the ultimate wellness and weight loss program powered by Nutramost help you. Schedule your immediate consultation or attend the Nutramost free dinner at 6.30 p.m. on Monday, August 19th at Jake's in Plymouth. Call now, 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. Study data comes from client-submitted data to a third party for tracking of daily weight loss and progress through the Nutramost weight loss programs. See website for full disclaimer details. Okay, uh, we're back with Car Selling Secrets. couple of things to touch on, um, and I get updates from our friend Joe in Louisville. I've been watching the UAW strike against General Motors oh, pretty yeah, closely. Yeah. Uh, hopefully they're going to uh, resolve it. I'll touch base on a couple of things. This happens very rarely. I looked it up. The last time uh, GM auto workers went out was in 07. It lasted two days, and prior to that it was 1970. Wow. So this does really? not happen very much. and. You know they're they're I don't want to say fighting because they're at least they're negotiating every day. Uh, health benefits is one thing, but they have a uh, the union is uh, trying to protect what they call temporary workers, and it's one of the ways that General Motors lowers their labor costs is uh, labor costs is they hire these people on a temporary basis, so they don't have to pay benefits as much. They don't have you don't get sick time that so on and so forth. And you know on the surface you'd think well. You know, they're temp workers, like if it's a holiday, like Target, I guess I kind of get it. Some of these temp workers have been temp workers for four years. <laughs> so yeah. the, the union is, um, we want to bring these, protect these people as well. So that's what's going on. Uh, we haven't really seen the effects of it at the dealership level yet. Uh, if it goes on much longer, it, it probably will cut into shipments a little bit. But it uh, it bears watching. It's, you know, when uh, General Motors went through the, bail out in the bankruptcy, God, that was 10 years ago now, um, one of the first things that always gets sacrificed are the, the union positions uh, in terms of wages and benefits and stuff like that. And, and their position is, uh, you know, General, General Motors is doing really, really well now. They've had some of their best quarters ever in the last few years is that they, you know, want a piece of the pie. So without taking sides, I just wanted to update it because this is a, you know, it's a big part of the uh, U.S. automobile business. And mm -hmm. I, I'm kind of surprised it's lasted this long because they're, I think, 12 days out right now. And they're not getting rich by doing this. No. They have to hit 15 days, and I think I read somewhere they get $250 a week. Ouch. That's, yeah, so it's, it's hard to make ends meet on that. So Boy. hopefully that uh, the good news is that, that both sides do seem to be uh, negotiating seriously, and mm -hmm. hopefully they'll get that, that put to bed. Um, another thing some uh, a listener wanted me to talk about was Carfax, how it works, what it is, so on and so forth. And this goes into advice about buying a used car. I would, if you have mechanical abilities and you can do it yourself, if you know what to look for, I probably wouldn't bother to get it inspected. If you're buying from a reputable dealer, um, it's still up to you. If you're buying cars private party and off Craigslist, you, you definitely... Uh, unless you know what you're doing, always get pay somebody to do an inspection of the car. It's it might cost you a hundred bucks. We can even do it at some of the Walzer stores. The independents are really good at it. Uh, it, it. It's 
you might be saving yourself thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars if you don't know what you're doing. Carfax is a really good tool. It is not foolproof. Um, we give Carfax uh, the full reports away for free on every used car we sell at Walzer because people want that information anyway. If you have to buy it uh, from Carfax directly as a private person, I think it's $25 I think it's 40 car. isn't it? It's, it's, a, it's, it's a, lot. a lot of money. Um, not a, it, it can be worth it because it will tell you how many owners the car has had, uh, accident history. This is where it gets a little froggy sometimes because uh, it will show accidents that were either a police report was filed or an insurance claim was filed. Um, if you don't do either of those things and pay for the repair yourself, it's probably not going to show up in Carfax. So that, that's another reason to get a, an inspection done on a, you know, it's a $500 car. It's a $500 car. I'm talking about, you know, later model used cars mm -hmm. where you're going to invest a fair amount of money. Well, and the, for a long what time. they'll do, a Carfax, too, will tell you if it's a salvage title car yep. or rebuilt title. And that is where you can really get screwed because, yeah. you know, there's a salvage title car. There's nothing necessarily inherently wrong with them. It's just that the value is roughly half. So if it's a $20,000 vehicle, you know, at retail on a clean title, it's probably a $12,000 salvage title car. Yeah, that's right. And and the, the difficulty about that is that the salvage laws are different in every state. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I'm not a big government fan, but I wish we had national title laws. It's just yep. a nightmare. 50 different regulations for buying and yep. selling cars. God. But generally, I think in Minnesota is the car has to sustain 70% of its retail value in terms of damage for it. A, a title to be triggered. So if you think about it, on a brand new car, you buy a new Camry that's twenty six grand. It's got to have a twenty thousand dollar accident mm -hmm. to get salvage car. Now there are some buys on the other end of that. Uh, you know, if it's a five thousand dollar car, uh, it, it you know three thousand dollar accident isn't right. very much. It might not even be frame damage, but you should know what you're getting in because Jerry's right, especially in later model cars. We figure they're worth about half of what a, a mm -hmm. non salvage car is worth. Probably the I shouldn't tell it. Do you, do you ever hear the Sean Nesbitt story? No. Do you know who Sean is? I don't. He's a team lead down at Subaru, but he worked at Toyota for a long time, and I think he was a team lead there. And he he was appraising a trade-in, and for years we called it pulling a Nesbitt. <laughs> so he missed the fact that the car. I'm assuming it was a, that's not a. He missed, it doesn't sound He good. missed the fact that the car had been completely repainted. And had hail damage. Oh. And the title that the customer gave to him was Stamp Salvage. Oh. And he bid it as a retail piece. Oh. <laughs> Charlie got a little upset because <laughs> it was a, like a two or three year old Prius. It was, you know, it was probably worth eight, and we put 20 grand. I was just going to say, that's probably a $20,000 car that we, it's worth five. Yeah. So Sean got demoted to, to salesperson and, and shuffled <laughs> up. And to his credit, he fully recovered. He's a great guy. You should meet him. You would really you'd enjoy him. And uh, but and and he took a ribbing pretty well because for a long time. And I was training people how to appraise used cars at the time, and that was called pulling a Nesbit. Ouch. Pulling a Nesbit. I have a question for you guys. Okay. Is Mary Berra related to Yogi Berra? <laughs> I don't think so. You don't think she is? So what's the problem at GM? What, 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 what don't they want to pay their workers? Um, I don't know the specifics. I'd have to look it up. But I think the big thing is health benefits and uh, cleaning up the temporary worker classification. That's really what it is. So it would cost them. They can pay the temp workers less than the regular workers. So that would be a, I think they're trying to get them classified as regular uh, full-time then the the third thing that they're arguing about is GM's making some gigantic profits right now. Yes, so the union are. is saying, we want to share in those profits. And the company's saying, great, we'd like you to share in them too. The GM is saying, we will give you basically a one-time payout to share the profits. Whereas the union is saying, no, we don't want a one-time payout. We want an increase in wages so we have a permanent thing. I see. They have well, been getting <clears throat> annual bonuses, though, I think, the last few years. I think the Could average, be. if I remember it right, it was like about eleven grand. Nice. Just, but it's uh, not, you know. I just checked it out. Mary makes $22 million a year. Mary's done pretty well for herself. <laughs> not bad. She kind of has done She's okay. skating by. <clears throat> so you it's hard what, to argue though? with temp wages when you're making $22 million a year. Right. Although, I, I, I just saw that uh, Bob Iger at Disney, 
67 million a year. Jeez, That's a pretty good job, baby. So pretty I think good job. I think GM made 5 billion last year. I was going to say 8, but it's something like that. So 22 for the CEO. I mean, that, that's a big job. You know, it's a little different than these companies where, you know, they go bankrupt and the people, the, the top leadership still get bonuses. I never understood that. That travel company in, in England. Thomas yeah. Cook. Yeah. yeah. Thomas Cook, what man. What a disaster that is. Yeah, come on, it only stranded 166,000 right. people. Right. <laughs> oh my God. Really? For, for those of you who don't know, it's a big travel company, or it was a big travel company. Headquartered in England, served Europe, and they were, you know, they had their own fleet of airplanes. Right. It wasn't just a right. travel agency, and they pulled the pen and left people stranded all over the world. The government had to go yeah. rescue them. Yeah, they said up to 800,000. They said they knew 166,000 for sure, and up to 800,000 people stranded. There, there's the stranded <clears throat> people, then, kind of an offshoot of that. I was reading that there's. Uh, athletic clubs, be it a, a, a soccer team in Europe or whatever, the, where Thomas Cook would put charters together and, oh, and yeah, bring these people yeah. over. Now the teams are going, well, what are we doing here? we got 300 people that aren't coming. Right, right. I don't know what to do about that. What are you going to do? But I, my point is I think Mary's $22 million, yeah, I'd take that check, but that's – I don't know how, how many employees General Motors has, but it's got to be – Hundreds of thousands. I would think, yeah. Well, tough it. You show up every morning, you sit at your desk and go, get off your ass. It's not a very hard job. <laughs> well, she did have to go to the White House a little while ago and talk. Uh, I think they were talking trade tariffs with uh, Donald because mm-hmm. he, at the time he was oh, saying, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm going to order all the American businesses just to pull out of China. Whoops. And General Motors sells more cars in China than right. they do in the yep. U.S. Yep. Yeah. It's like, mm, it's not yep. really maybe a year. Probably just, not a smart idea. And, you know, she, she met with them and said that it was productive. They didn't really discuss what they talked about or whether anything came out with it. But you know, There's no secret transcript that has to be on a secret server or anything? Oh, well, let's hope not. <laughs> By the way, Joe says 49,000 workers at GM. In the U.S., though. Well, it's, I think he said, yeah. I think, I think he, Joe, tell me, is that in the U.S. or not? I think 49,000 workers. So we'll, we'll see if that that's a U.S. Probably would be, I would think. Yeah, I would think so. I don't I don't know for sure. He would know. Joe would know, and, he, you know, he must be on break right now because he texts me like three times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> a little shot at Joe just for the hell of it. Yeah, at least we know we got some of uh, some of the facts, right? You know, he's coming to Nashville. Oh, is he really? Yeah, Joe's coming oh, to great. Nashville. He's driving right over, man. Louisville to Nashville is not that far. Yeah, it's probably, what, three hours or so? Yeah, about that. I would say it's about three hours. I'm no looking forward now. to that trip. I've been watching that Ken Burns country series on PBS. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a big country music guy, but it's just, it's really fascinating. And so much of it, they t- you know, the Grand Old Opry is, is such a center of that world. That's on the other side of the block from where we're staying. Yeah, it is. Oh, well, that's going to be you. Are you staying at the Holston? I hope so. Yeah, it's a great Shelly said she'll take care of me, so it's either the Holston or Shelley. the Motel 4. <laughs> it says, uh, yes, 49,000 U.S. workers, and by the way, Louisville is only two hours from Nashville. Well, oh. if you drive like a maniac. <laughs> yeah. Like well, a yeah, it depends on who's driving. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> so it'll be fun to see him down there. I wonder if Melanie's coming. We'll find out. I, I think believe she is, yeah. I believe she's coming. We're trying to still get Doc Ketchmark to go, and my God, Joe's on his ass. It's hilarious. Well, that's funny. Why don't you pull the tampon out of your butt? And <laughs> like, wow. oh my God, is Charlie, Charlie from together? Albuquerque coming? Do you know? I think he is. I, I, I hope so. Charlie's the best. He's a great guy. It's interesting. We have these listeners from all over the country mm-hmm. and stuff, and I've met a few of them. They're really, he, he's a really nice guy. I talked to him uh, last year in Vegas. Who, Charlie? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's a really nice guy. I just keep getting tech. Talk amongst yourself because I get, well, we okay. only, oh, my God, we only got two and a half minutes. Yeah, that we're... went by fast. Man. Well, we Look don't have to talk I'm about saying. Um, an interesting uh, footnote to this whole Minnesota, California EPA thing is that there are four really large auto manufacturers that have uh, signed on with us, too, and Ford's one of them. Uh, Honda, BMW, and who was the fourth? Volkswagen, so it's 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 just interesting. But there again, I think this is headed for Supreme Court at some point. Everything is. Yeah. <laughs> Joe sent me a text message. Remember, said, "Oh, he must be on break." He texted me, "Line stopped." 
Uh-oh. <laughs> Houston, uh, we have a problem. Houston, we have a problem. And Melanie is coming, by the way. She oh, is good. She is coming to Nashville. So that'd be good. Why don't you come to Nashville? You should get out. Let's go. Well, some of us have to work. Oh, here we go. Not <laughs> Doug. Doug. Doug never has to work. Cut it out. We're on the air. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> that's very, very true. What's new? Anything new, exciting with Toyota? Uh, you know, there actually is some cool stuff coming up. I'm not sure if I can talk about it or not because I don't know if it's been released yet. But there is some cool stuff. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. No, you can't. Yeah, yeah. I, I meant Toyota the brand, not Walzer. Right. That's what I'm talking about. Yep. Oh, the Toyota the brand. Yeah. Yeah. Let her fly. Can I? Sure. All right. Well, we speaking of the Wrangler plug-in, uh, there's going to be a Rav4 hybrid plug-in coming. Okay. Uh, the Venza name badge is coming back. I think it's going to be a rebadged RX350. JB will be happier than hell. He yes. A Venza yep, JB has one. Absolutely he does. Uh, they're, they're coming out with a Corolla Crosstrek, kind of like a like a Honda HRV size thing. So it's going to be an all-wheel drive Corolla hatch. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that actually I think is going to be really cool. And then speaking of the California emissions, the Prius... Battery or the hybrid battery, not just Prius. The hybrid battery has always been an eight-year, hundred-thousand-mile warranty, except in California emission states, where it's ten-year, hundred and fifty, and they're switching everything to the ten-one fifty. Okay, well, that is good. Uh, for uh, prospective Prius shoppers, you should also know that I think last year they came out with an all-wheel drive version of the Prius. We, those are awesome. We have a couple of them in. Usually, when we get them, they sell really fast because we've only it's a super limited supply. But, I mean, come on, 50-some-odd miles a gallon and all-wheel drive. I mean, it's yeah. awesome. Yeah. It's really, really cool. See, I was just throwing you a bone. There. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Oh, God. I appreciate that. If you have any questions for Jerry, you can always uh, walk into the Toyota store and ask for them. Or if you want to email me at DougAtWalzer.com, I'll forward it on to Jerry. Thanks for being on the show. Absolutely. Just and... My, my two-second plug, man, if there's any former or current restaurant managers who just got that feeling in their gut they need to do something new, I was 49 years old when I changed careers. That's funny. 49. So you can do it if you're just sick and tired of the restaurant world. Trust me, I get it. Reach out to Doug. Reach out to me. Either way, Doug will get your information to me. I can hook you up. It's it's such a phenomenal career change. It's it's literally life-changing. I'm not even kidding. It's awesome. And you get home at night, and we're closed on Sundays. Oh, Sundays off in the restaurant world is unheard of, man. Yeah. It is oh, fabulous. Yeah. It's fabulous. That's it for this episode of Car Selling Secrets. We will not be on the air next week. I'm going to be in Pennsylvania doing Good some training. Uh, so work. it's going to be two weeks, and we'll be breaking in the new studio. Ooh. Yeah, baby. There you go. Talk to you then.